Section 34 of Junior Classics, Volume 4, Heroes and Heroines of Chivalry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Benzing of Oxford, Ohio. Junior Classics, Volume 4, Heroes and Heroines of Chivalry, by William Patton in the castle of the sorcerers retold by f j h darton when they had tarried at the castle a certain time they rode forth again it was the month of june when the days are long and the bird songs are merry sir labodicanes and the maid elaine and the dwarf tiandelaine came riding by a riverside and saw a great and proud city with high strong castles and many gates la Deaconess asked the name of the city they call it golden isle answered maid elaine here hath been more fighting than in any country for a lady of price fair as a rose has put this land in peril a giant named margie whose like is nowhere on earth has laid siege to her he is as black as pitch stern and stout indeed he that would pass the bridge into her castle must lay down his arms and do a reverence to the giant. Then said Labodicanes, I shall not turn aside for him. If God give me grace ere this day's end, I will overthrow him. They rode all three towards the fair city. On a wooden bridge they saw Magi, as bold as a wild boar. His shield was black, and all his armor black also. When he saw La Bodicanes, he cried, Tell me, fellow in white, what are you? Turn home again for your own profit. Arthur made me a knight, said La Bodicanes, and to him I made a vow that I would never turn back. Therefore, friend in black, make ready. They rode forthright at one another. Their lances break at the first blows, but they drew swords in a fury and rushed at one another. La Bodicanes smote the giant's shield so that it fell from him. But Magi, in turn, slew La Bodicanes's steed with a great blow on its head. La Bodicanes said naught, but started up from his dead charger and took his axe. A great blow he struck that shore the head of Magi's horse clean from its body. Then they fell to on foot and no man can tell of the blows that passed from one to the other, and they fought till evening drew nigh. Sir Labaud de Canes thirsted sore, and he said, Mogi, let me go to drink. I will grant you what boon you ask of me in like case. Great shame would it be to slay a knight by thirst. Mogi granted it, but when Labaud de Canes went to the river and drank, Mogi struck him unawares, such a blow that he fell into the river. Now am I truly refreshed, cried Labaud de Canes as he climbed out. I will repay you for this. Then a new fight was begun, and they continued till darkness grew apace. At length Labaud de Canes struck such a blow that the giant's right arm was shorn off. Thereupon Magi fled, but Labaud de Canes ran swiftly after him, and with three stern strokes clove his backbone. Then Labodicanes smote off the giant's head, and went into the town, and all the folk welcomed him. A fair lady came down to meet him, 
called la dame d'amour and she thanked him for his aid against the giant and led him to her palace there he was clad in clean raiment and feasted and the lady would have had him be lord of her city and castle la beau granted her prayer and gave her his love for she was indeed fair and bright alas that he did not refrain twelve months and more he dwelt there and fair elaine was afraid lest he might never go thence for the lady of the castle knew much of sorcery and put a charm on Lebo de so that he wished never to leave her but it fell on a day that Lebo de met maid elaine by chance within the castle sir knight she said you are false of faith to king arthur for love of a sorceress you do great dishonour the lady of Cynodown lies in prison yet at her words Lebodicanes thought his heart would break for sorrow and shame. By a postern gate he crept away from the lady of the castle, and took with him his horse and his armor, and rode forth with maid Elaine and the dwarf, and a squire named Giflet. Fast they rode without ceasing, till on the third day they came in sight of the strong city of Cynodown. But Lebodicanes wondered at a custom he saw as he described the town, for all the waste and refuse that was cast outside the town was gathered again by the folk and kept what means this asked sir le beau this it is said maid elaine no knight may abide here without leave of a steward called sir lambard ride to that eastern gate yonder and ask his leave to enter fairly and well ere he grants it he will joust with you and if he bears you down he will blow his trumpets and all through Cynodown at the sound thereof, the maidens and boys will throw on you this filth and mud that they have gathered, and so to your life's end will you be known as a coward, and King Arthur shall lose his honor through you. That were great shame for any man living, said Sir Lebeau Deaconess. I will meet this man. Giflet, make me ready. Then they made ready and rode to the castle gate, and asked where knights might find lodging. The porter let them in and asked, Who is your overlord? King Arthur, the well of courtesy and flower of chivalry is my lord, answered La Bodicanes. The porter went and told Sir Lambard of the knight, and Sir Lambard was glad and vowed to joust with him. Thereupon the porter came again to La Bodicanes and said, Adventurous knight, ride to the field without the castle gate, and arm you speedily, for my lord would joust with you. Sir Lebodicanes rode to the field and made ready. Presently there came the steward, all armed for the fight, and they fell too. Long and fierce was the fray, but at the last Lebodicanes struck Sir Lambard so fiercely that he was borne clean out of his saddle backwards. "'Will you have more?' asked Sir Lebodicanes. "'Nay,' answered Sir Lambard. "'Never since I was born came I against such a knight.' If you will fight for my lady, you are welcome, Sir Knight. Nay, said Sir Lebeau de Canes, but I fight for a lady even now. Then they went into Sir Lambard's castle and feasted and were right merry. Sir Lambard and Sir Lebeau de Canes spoke much of adventures, and at last Sir Lebeau de Canes asked him concerning his quest. What is the knight's name who holds in prison the gentle lady of Cynodown? Nay, sir, knight is he none. Two magicians are her foes, 
false in flesh and bone. Maban and Irene are their names, and they have made this town a place of strange magic arts. They hold this noble lady in prison, and often we hear her cry, but have no power to come to her. They have sworn to slay her if she will not do their will, and give up to them all her rights in this fair dukedom which is hers. They took their rest. On the morrow, Lebo Deaconess clad himself in his best armor, and rode forth to the gate of the great palace of Cynodown, and with him for escort came Lambard and his knights. They found the gate open, but no further durst any man go save Lebo Deaconess and his squire Giflet, and Lebo Deaconess made Giflet also turn back with the rest. Then he rode alone into the palace, and alighted at the great hall. He saw minstrels before the dais, and a fire burning brightly, but no lord of the palace was there. Labo Deaconess paced through all the chambers, and saw no one but minstrels who made merry. Labo Deaconess went further, seeking those whom he should fight. He peered into all the corners, and looked on wondrous pillars of jasper and fine crystal, but never a foe did he see. At last he sat down at the dais in the great hall. As he sat, the minstrels ceased their music and vanished, and the torches were extinguished. Doors and windows shook like thunder, and the very stones of the walls fell round him. The dais began to quake, and the roof above opened. As he sat thus dismayed, believing that he was betrayed by magic, he heard horses neigh. Yet may I hope to joust, he said, better pleased. He looked out into a field, and there he saw two knights come riding with spear and shield. Their armor was of rich purple, with golden garlands. One of the knights rode into the hall. Sir Knight, he cried, proud though you be, you must fight with us. I am ready to fight, answered Labo Deaconess, and he leapt into his saddle and rode against the knight. His might bore against Mabon, for it was he, over his horse's tail. The hinder saddle-bow broke and he fell. With that rode in a rein, fully armed, fresh for the fight, and meaning with main and might to assail Sir Labo Deaconess. But Labodicanus was aware of him, and bore down on him with his spear, leaving Mabon where he had fallen. They broke their lances at the first stroke and fell to swords. As they fought, Mabon rose up from the ground and ran to aid Irene. But Labodicanus fought both, and kept himself back warily. When Irene saw Mabon, he smote fiercely at Labodicanus and struck his steed. But Sir Labodicanus returned his blow and shore off his thigh, skin and bone and all. Of no avail were his arms or his enchantments then. Then Labo Deaconess turned swiftly again to Mabon, and Mabon with a great blow broke the knight's sword. But Labo Deaconess ran to Irene, where he lay dying, and drew from him his sword, and rushed fiercely upon Mabon once more, and smote off his left arm with the shield. Ho, gentle knight! said Mabon, and I will yield that to your will, and will take you to the fair lady, though the wound from that sword I am undone, for I pose in both it and mine to make certain of slaying you. I will have none of your gifts were I to win all the world by them, said Labo de Kines. Lay on, one of us shall die. Then they fell to again, and so fiercely did Labo de Kines fight that in a little while he cleft Mabon's head and helmet in twain. When Mabon was slain, he ran to where he had left Irene, meaning to cleave his head also. But Irene was not there. He had been borne away. Whither, Lebo Deaconess did not know. 
He sought him everywhere, and when he found him not, he believed that he was caught in a snare, and fell on his knees and prayed. As he prayed a marvel came to pass. In the stone wall a window opened, and a great dragon issued therefrom. It had the face of a woman, fair and young, her body and wings shone like gold. Her tail was loathly, and her paws grim and great. Labodicanus's heart sank within him, and he trembled. Ere he could think, the dragon clasped him by the neck and kissed him. And lo, as he kissed him, the tail and wings fell from it, and he saw before him the fairest lady he had ever looked upon. "'Gentle knight,' she said, "'you have slain the two magicians, my foes. They changed me into a dragon, and bade me keep that shape till I had kissed Sir Gawain, or some other knight of kin to Sir Gawain. You have saved my life. I will give you fifteen castles and myself for wife, if it be King Arthur's will.' Then was Lebeau de Canes glad and blithe, and leapt on his horse and rode back to Sir Lambard to bring him these good tidings. And presently there came to him from the palace the lady herself, richly clad, and all the people of the town made a fair procession in her train. Every knight in Cynodown did her homage and fealty as was due to her. Seven knights did they abide in the castle with Lambard, and then Sir Lebeau de Canes returned with the fair lady to King Arthur and at his court gave thanks to God for their adventures. King Arthur gave the lady to La Beau for wife, and the joy of that bridal can be told in no tale or song. End of Part 34